message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 19th, 2010. Built to last, faith. Going to talk about having a faith that's built to last. My name is Carrie Jones. And I'm Alan Jones, and we're two sinners who have been saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for this glorious day. Thank you for uh, calling the faithful together in here this morning and allowing us to share in worshiping you and to share in your word. Please open us to your spirit and help us to realize once again or for the first time new life in Jesus Christ. It's in his name and in your Holy Spirit we pray and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Faith that is built to last. Have you ever known someone who is absolutely faithful? What I mean by that is there's, you know, this happened in their life or that happened, one challenge after another, and they just walk it out with their eyes on Jesus no matter what, and you're saying, wow, that person really Mm. has faith. Faith that's built to last, kind of like the faith of some of our friends over in India, like uh, Koshi Baby and MK Babu and, uh, and Scott Zire, who who they're, they're talking the gospel day in and day out when their lives are being threatened day in and day out for doing that very thing, and yet they just push on, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ in the midst of great high risk. Yeah. Faith. Faith. It keeps us going in the most challenging of times. And the thing is, by its very definition, being faithful can be somewhat tenuous even on a good day. The very definition of faith, the general definition of faith is is something like this, belief that does not rest on logical proof or material evidence. It's those things unseen from this Christian perspective from which we come. Faith is the theological virtue that it's a secure belief in God and a trusting acceptance of God's will and way. Walking in faith means that even though I'm not sure what's going to happen, I'm not sure what's around this bend, I don't know what tomorrow will bring, I will stand firm in the faith that God will see us through, that God goes before us and nothing can come against us. There's a scripture found in Hebrews. Some of you might know this. This is like the definition of faith found in the Bible. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let's say that together. Now, faith faith is the the assurance of things hoped for, the the conviction conviction of things not seen. You know, the Bible, the Holy Bible, is just filled with, with stories of people of faith. And, and, and um, the kind of faith we're talking about this morning, this kind of faith that's built to last, and you're probably familiar, and we're going to share just briefly some of the stories that many of you already know. You know, like one of my favorites is Noah. You've you got to love Noah. He's like one of the early, maybe first example of this built to last faith. Maybe you know the story where God's fed up with <clears throat> how we're acting. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, and, and he's fed up, says, I'm, I'm going to start clean, uh, but he says, mm, I got this this one guy who I find uh, faithful, um, 
And so he, he, he saves Noah and his family, and he gives Noah the assignment of building the ark. You know, I always wonder if Noah even knew what an ark was before God gave him the assignment, but that's the assignment, build an ark, and he gives him very specific <clears throat> directions, you know, build it 300 cubits. I'm sure Noah goes, okay, tell me what a cubit is, what's the distance from here to here, usually about 18 inches, foot and a half. In other words, this ark's going to be 450 feet long, it's going to be 75 feet wide, and about 45 feet It's a big honking boat, all right? It's a huge boat. Go ahead. Okay, so we don't even really know if there's water in the area, but Noah receives these instructions, and obedience and faith carries them out. Can you imagine Noah did not live in isolation, and so there were other people around. Can you imagine what they thought when they were watching Noah do this? They must have thought he had absolutely lost his mind. But Noah was a man of faith. He followed God's instructions. You know, two other favorite guys I have in the scriptures are Caleb and Joshua. And we've talked about them before. Remember where Moses sends out 12 spies across the river to check out the promised land to see, you know, what it's like. And, and the spies come back, and 10 of them say that, that, that they cannot go up against these people that they encountered, that the land devours its inhabitants, and, the, and that the, the people were of great size, so big, in fact, they made us feel like grasshoppers. That's really in the Bible. They made us feel like grasshoppers. That's what they were saying, but not Caleb and Jacob. They were ready to go back across that river and take that land. That's because they had faith in the promises of God. And they encouraged the people to not rebel against the Lord, to to not be unfaithful. But unfortunately, they weren't listened to. And so the people continued to rebel, and they continued to be unfaithful, and consequently they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Some commentaries say that that's about the time necessary for those who didn't have faith for what God had to go into that promised land, who didn't have faith to just die off. Mm. And then there's David. David. The great king David, but We're not talking about when he was king. We're talking about when he was a little guy, shepherd boy. The Israeli forces were on one hill, Philistine forces on the other hill. It's kind of a standoff. And out of the Israel camp comes a big guy, and his name is Goliath. You know the story. Goliath, standing nearly 10 feet tall. He's one big honking guy. He's tall, 10 feet. Do you all know how tall 10 feet is? It's huge. It's like... Half again, plus a foot of the average tall guy. Ten feet. He carries 150 pounds of armor. That's like carrying an average uh, person on your back all day. That's crazy. This spear alone, the head of it weighs 19 pounds. And so he's as, it's like one of these, what's the thing called? Is it UFC? What's that stand for? Yeah, yeah, then one of those things. It's like one of those, a smackdown or whatever. He's gone against the Israelites, a death match. 
It's exactly what it is. A death match, winner take all. Losers are going to be servants to the winners. And he comes out and makes the same offer 40 days running. Now the king of Israel, his name was Saul, and the entire Israel army, they're afraid of this guy. I mean, wouldn't you be? I, I certainly would be shaking in my boots, but not David. Not David. He's there. He shows up to bring lunch to the warrior brothers that he's got. And he, remember, he's just a shepherd boy, and yet he hears how Goliath just puts down the God of the universe, his God. He is so upset about that so that he is willing to enter into battle with this giant. Now, Saul tries to give David, little David, his armor. That's probably a lot of honking armor, Alan. Because but he's anyway, a big guy, too. He's a big guy, too. It Saul's huge. Him. It doesn't fit him. Funny how we can't put on somebody else's armor when we're going into <laughs> battle. Anyway, bottom line is that David has faith. He takes what he knows. He takes a slingshot. He takes five stones. He takes the knowledge and confidence that he's killed lions and bears because that's how he defends his sheep. Remember, he's a shepherd. But what he really takes is faith. He takes faith in the God that he knows will surely deliver him from the disparages of this giant who's just messing with his God, saying terrible things about the God of Israel. And so there he is, right ready to enter battle and win. And then we have a guy, Peter. I love Peter. Maybe some of you are like Peter. Maybe you know, you know, the bull in the china shop, Peter. You say it and then realize what you said. Stick your foot in your mouth and then open it wide for the other foot, Peter. You know, he's one of my favorite guys in Scripture. In Matthew 14, we read that where, where Jesus, um, he sends the guys on ahead. He's got some praying to do alone. So he sends them on ahead across the lake, and, and it's really late at night. I, I think they say it's like the, the, third, the watch just before morning. I think it's like 3 a.m., the darkest part of the night. And so they're all like, you know, half asleep. And then they look out, and they see this figure walking across. They think it's a ghost. Well, what would you think? I mean, who, who would expect anything other than that in the middle of the night? And then as the figure gets closer, they realize it's Jesus. And Peter yells out, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Can you just imagine Peter like, whoa, he said, come. Well, Peter does as he's instructed in faith. And Peter finds himself as he steps out of the boat into the water, walking on the water just like Jesus has done. And then he notices a strong wind, and then he gets frightened, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he begins to sink. And he goes under the water, and he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches out his hand. It's all in the Bible. Reaches out his hand and saves Peter. He catches him. When in your life, when in your life have you 
said, Lord, save me when you feel like you're going under. Lord, save me when this is confusing. Lord, save me when you get this phone call that you don't want. Lord, save me. Well, just like the Lord saved Peter from going under, the Lord wants to save each one of you, wants to save me from going under. And so when we cry out, it's just as if the Lord stretches his hand out and saves us. You know, it might not look like what we think, but the promise is that he will never let us out of his grip. Ever. You know, another incredible part of that walk on water story is it piggybacks, it comes immediately following the feeding of the 5,000. You got the stadium or this crowd of people, 5,000 men, it's not even tell us how many women and children. And Jesus says, okay, here's uh, what, uh, five loaves and two fishes, boys, go feed them. <laughs> you talk about a faith walk. Sure, Lord, here we go. And they fed all of them with 12 baskets left over. Faith walk, faith walk, piggybacking right on back of each other. All right, so we've given you all these stories which already many of you are already familiar with. Okay, Aunt Gary, tell us something we don't know. Well, the reason we gave you those familiar stories is because we want to take those stories and talk about what is the thread that connects all of them. What is it that allows these people to have that kind of faith? What is it that allows them to have this built-to-last faith? And is that something you and I can have as well? I mean, most days I don't put myself in the same category as Noah or David or Caleb and Joshua or Peter, and yet I'm called to the same kind of faith as they are. What is it that they got, and can I get it? How can I get that kind of faith? Well, the primary overriding factor that we see over and over and over and over again in these people in the Bible is the idea that they listen. They listen. They pay attention. They listen to the voice of truth. That's capital T. That's not a little t. Truth, because truth is Jesus himself. They listen to the voice of truth. You know, day in and day out, we hear an awful lot of voices. We hear voices that are just pounding in our heads. We hear voices from the outside. We hear voices of children and spouses and neighbors and friends and coworkers. And we also hear those other voices, those, those voices from the past, those old tapes that just beat us up. We hear voices, inner voices. I'm not talking paranoia stuff. I'm just talking we hear stuff. We also hear the voice of God if we're listening. And we also sometimes hear a voice of the evil one who wants to really confuse us. We are surrounded and bombarded by voices. And the question is, which voice or which voices are we going to listen to? Because we can listen to them all if we choose to, and it's our choice. Are we going to listen to the voices that tell us that we can't, that we shouldn't, or we won't? Are we going to tell us the voice, listen to the voices that tell us what we used to do that we shouldn't have done? Or the voices that say, here's what you can do if you'd like to do what you shouldn't do? 
Or we're going to listen to the voice of the one who loves us beyond measure, the one who wants only what is best for us, the one who wants us to be all that he intended us to be when he first thought of us. Is that the voice we're going to listen to? Because that's the voice of truth. That's the voice of the Holy One. That's the voice of God. The characters that we, we shared about, Noah and Caleb and, and Peter, they could have listened to all the voices, David. They could have listened to the voices that told them everything different than what God was telling them to do. But they focused and they listened to the voice of truth. And so if we're going to have a faith that is built to last, we've got to learn to listen to this voice of truth, this voice that builds that faith, the voice of God. In order to recognize that voice, we have to be willing to risk a little bit. In other words, there aren't any guarantees when we're being faithful. The blessing come after we step out in faith. You know, we felt God calling us, and we thought it was his voice calling us to seminary, although it was a little bit crazy, we thought. But we stepped out, and the blessing followed. It didn't come before. It never will. Otherwise, that's not faith, to get the blessing and then take the step. That's the opposite of faith. When we started tithing, we thought, well, we feel God's calling us this, and this makes sense because this is what God calls us to. I don't know if it makes sense at this point in time, but that's where we're So we step out in faith, and sure enough, the blessing followed. So you risk a little bit, and then you realize the blessing with the faith step. When we step out, though, when we hear the voice of God, we've got to measure it against Scripture. You see, the Bible has truth. The Bible is full of truth. This is This is a love story that God has written for you and for me. So when we hear these voices, we've got to measure them against what's in here, but we've got to know what's in here. So that's why we encourage you to take Alpha to learn about the Bible. Get in a small group to study the Bible. Take Disciple Bible Study to study the Bible. We need to know what's in here because it can get really, really confusing if we don't. Yeah. It's important to know these things because God is going to call you to something and, and, and then you, or, or, or another voice may call you something. You've got to know whether it goes along with what God will call you to if it's contrary to God's nature. If you hear a voice saying, oh, take something that's not yours. Or cheat a little bit on your taxes. Nobody will know. Uh, plus the government, they're not doing a good thing with your money anyway, so you should try to keep as much, you know, anything like that. If something's calling you, you go, hmm, does that sound like what God would tell me to do? Chances are pretty good your answer's going to be what? No. And so in that case, you say, that's probably not the voice of God, and so I shouldn't be following it. Uh, Another example, (coughs) you're married, and you've gotten a little bored. Your marriage has become lifeless. You're in the office. Somebody else kind of pays attention to you. And you're thinking, hmm. And then the next thing you know, there's this fantasy that God is calling you into that and out of the covenant that you pledged to. It's not the voice of God that would call you to something that's contrary to his will and his way. 
So it's the voice of truth we're talking about here. The voice of truth, God's voice, the voice that we have to listen carefully to and measure against what we know from experience and from Scripture. We're going to take a couple minutes here and listen to this song. There's a song with that same name. Many of you are familiar with it, Voice of Truth. I want you to carefully listen to these words. And as you do, give some thought to what it is. Maybe there's something God's calling you to be more faithful in. Maybe God's calling you to trust Him in a way that you haven't been willing to trust Him, to follow Him, to have faith in Him. Give some thought also to how different your life will be if you're able to listen and follow that voice of truth. Oh, what I would do to have the kind of strength it takes to stand before a giant with just a sling and a storm. Surrounded by the sound of a thousand warriors Shaking in their armor Wishing they'd have had the strength to stand But the giant's calling out my name and he laughs at me Reminding me of all the times I tried before and failed The giant keeps on telling me time and time again of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. That's the risk part. Risk to believe. Remember the definition that we shared in the beginning? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction. We know that we know that we know the conviction of things not seen. We don't have to see it. Because we know that the Lord is on our side who can be against us. We know. Out of all the voices calling out to you and calling out to me, we will listen and believe the voice of truth. That's the voice of Jesus the Christ who went the distance for you and for me who climbed up on that cross willingly and shed his blood so that you might know real love. A love that carries us through the ups and downs, the challenges. It's the love that's the voice of truth. We can have a faith that's built to last when we listen to the voice of truth. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Caleb and Peter and Noah. Those examples in Scripture that teach us about faith. We thank you most of all for your son Jesus, who walked it out in faith. 
We thank you that we can walk in faith. We don't need to walk by sight. And that we are never out of your grip. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And all of Connection Church said. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.